0: It's a goal.
1: Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello there. So the football continues to rumble on as we come back to you in yet another interim type pod. This game week is still ongoing, but during its build-up, we saw perhaps one of the finest examples of herd mentality I've ever witnessed on FPL socials, well, at least for quite a while. Alongside this, there was a mass shoving of heads in the sand, following a soft yellow card for the doubling captain du jour, Mitrovic, which rules him out of the second game this game week. I only captained him for Leicester. Hashtag variants. Perhaps is an example of how expectations require a safety net at times. I'm back with Lucy after what's felt like a little while. We obviously missed the New Year's Day window for a pod, given other, uh, other commitments outside of FPL. But now we're back together for a short stint, but one of us jets off again. But here we go. Lucy, you're right. Let's make a pact before we even start to not even utter the word saints throughout this one.
0: Yes, it's good to be back. Thank you. We won't mention Saints, although I hope our listeners heard all of my warnings on avoiding all of our players because they've fallen even below my very, 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 very very low expectations. So well done, Saints. Anyway, moving swiftly along, (laughs) we are Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on the main account at WGTA underscore FPL and you can find me, Lucy, at Lucy Hynett. On the pod today, we'll begin with general chit-chat about the week. And the events leading up to it, primarily as Tom has alluded to, the Mitrovic captaincy, was it herd mentality and should there be regrets we'll then move on to a few other general discussion points from the week before we take a look at structure again in my absence Tom mentioned how my World Cup wildcard card setup was all about structure so we'll discuss how we might end up progressing as we go on and then we'll finish off with a look ahead to next week's potential double, although we won't have all the information yet And that's because we're recording on the evening of the 5th of January during the second half of Chelsea Man City, primarily so that I don't have to watch the inevitable second half hold from Erling Haaland.
1: Oh, that's not going to happen, is it? I never get nice things, Lucy, as we'll come on to in just a moment. But yes, as Lucy said, I think it is just general chit-chat, you know, carrying on from the kind of pod I did with Adam last time out last year in 2022. I should say Happy New Year. I should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> Do we still say that on the 5th of January? I suppose it's kind of the 12th night now, isn't it? Like, you're meant to take all your Christmas decorations down today. Um, anyway, um, but yes, this pod will go through some of the saint issues fellow up the game week, as Lucy said, as, as it's unfolded and that's kind of going to, be going to be the main format for this pod and probably the next one with Nick and Lucy next week we'll get back to the single topic stuff eventually once this period of blurry game week lines gives way to a clearer week-to-week separation over weekends so no no mean league no market forces today as the game week is obviously still in play and, but I think it's worth mentioning very quickly how we did on the week we missed as well as how it's shaping up this week to give us an idea of how recent progress has gone and also allow us to springboard into the main discussion I suppose so
0: let's start with last week how did that go for you I mean you said the word progress it wasn't so much progress more another red arrow which is great um I got 51 points so that was another bad week um shafted by that Cancelo benching which I'd convinced myself wouldn't happen again and it did and then uh, the Lucy ben- Cancelo's
1: been subbed at halftime <laughs>
0: Well, come on, Chelsea. Uh, Moving on. um, (laughs) So great. Cancelo is probably being sold soon. Yeah. So I was shafted by him last week, as I will be this week. And I also fell victim to the Ben White 59th minute sub, which I think a lot of people were. Um, I'd kind of told myself that I didn't need to do anything with Reese James because I had uh, Ben White. Mm. That didn't work out. And I think it's fair to say that Kevin De Bruyne is probably testing our patience at this point. Given that he blanked yet again, he hasn't been subbed at halftime as well, has he?
1: No, he's still on. Okay. How frustrating! How frustrating! So, what was the overall score last week? Sorry, fifty-one. Fifty-one. No, I, I think I I got very very similar to you actually. Fifty-four. So not not too much more. It was it was a very small green on the first week back, and last week was a small red for me, and that was the final game of twenty twenty-two. A bit of a horrible one for me, actually, in many ways. Obviously, I had the no-show from Cancelo, so I got zero points from Esther Pinion off the bench. Um, but it was a really horrible one just because I was all out on Saturday, so the 31st of December. So I spent New Year's Day busy with other things, Luckily, but also just waiting to see how big the red arrow is going to be because I didn't have any Spurs players uh, when they played Villa. Luckily, I lost two 0 Kane did nothing, and Chelsea players Chelsea played Forest. Luckily, again, that was one one, so I avoided a bit of a red, arrow, a big red arrow there as a small one. I think it was 46k to 51k, it was just purely appearance points, um, which took me down. So I mean, that was two points difference, something like that. So if I you know bought Dunk, he got an assist and three points, I'd have got a grey arrow or a small green arrow that week. Very very small differences. So this week, I rolled the transfer into this week, made a late night transfer, actually, the day before the deadline, um, having suddenly realised I could do a particular move, which was Cancelo and Greenwood to Shaw and Mitrovic, which has worked out pretty well. 19 point positive swing with Kensella going off at half time here. Um so that's why would you bad. say that
0: again? Why? Um,
1: sorry. <laughs> um so yeah, I I'm, I'm glad I confirmed that one because I wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise. I wasn't sure on Muchevich for hours we'll discuss in a little bit. I wasn't really interested in captioning him. Um I this isn't me talking hindsight. I did say up on the last pod with Adam as well. Um and I, I kind of bought him in to hedge my bets basically, thinking that if I own him, at least he if he doesn't hit the EO of hundred percent plus. Then I'm still going to game if I own him, but at least I'm not completely exposed if it goes really, really wrong. I did take up my second transfer, but I mean that was just kind of just a condition of the double game week being there, and also it gave me another a single doubler, um, who's now a singular. But yeah, okay, so far overall, I guess I'm on 51 plus whatever. Holland and uh, KDB give me today. Uh, Ramsdale clean sheet, Trippier clean sheet, uh, Rashford goal, three points for Saka and Marcinelli. Darwin going to Darwin. And Estepinian, to continue this dream of annoying form, uh, lost the clean sheet to an Everton Pen Penn in the final seconds. Last kick of the game, I think it was. Um so I brought him in for Robertson, um, well brought him on for Robertson, Robertson was on my bench. So I still made one point, but yeah, annoying to lose the four. But the start was obviously sure, you know, the goal was completely random. It was his third ever goal. <laughs> almost 300 Premier League appearances. That's mad, isn't it? And the 15 points are that sort of thing you really need to help you with the likes of Kane going off, much to my chagrin. And then tonight, let's just see what happens throughout the course of the pod, but I don't have high expectations given how the first half was. What about you? How was it shaping up this week?
0: Well, I made exactly the same moves as you. Well, I bought in exactly the same... Players as you, I didn't make the same moves. I bought in Shaw for the injured James. I should have done that the previous week, but I wanted to hold on for more information. I think a lot of people fell into that trap, um. So I kind of missed out on Shaw's eight points last week, but I did get his fifteen points this week. Um, and then I kind um kind of finally went through with Mitrovic. Um, I always thought I would buy Mitrovic. Probably I was a bit more convinced on him, kind of way out before the week than you were. um. So I structured my team around a 3-4-3 three, three, rather than a 3-5-2 simply because I wanted to make it as easy as possible to bring him in when the double came, um, which hasn't really worked out because I've missed out on Saka's points. So, you know, in hindsight, not great, but I knew I wanted to do it. So I'm fairly kind of happy with that. So I did a simple martial Mitrovic move um, and I did captain him. So I guess that probably opens up the beginning of the conversation
1: it does indeed so main discussion point or the first discussion point really is that metro captaincy or maybe just a wider kind of exploration in the short time we've got on today's pod for just bigger single decisions in terms of metro captaincy i mean you said you obviously you fancied him for a long while did you sway on the day what was the experience <laughs> like for you, you i know the, i know the well, answer. tom
0: knows i swayed on the day i i had gone backwards and forwards the whole week i'd then sort of settled on harland and then the closer we got to the deadline the more i kind of feared i was being a wimp um i think when you look at twitter and you are part of a community you need to be clear about the effect that community has on you and your relationship with that community so i know for a fact that i tend to be more conservative than the twitter herd so I try to keep that at the back of my mind, knowing that they're always gonna choose something a bit more out there than I would like. But I also wanted to acknowledge the fact that I had basically built my team around the fact Mitchovich should come in this week. And I did think he was one of the standout captain of the choices. Literally the one thing in my mind which was stopping me from doing it was two things. One, the booking. <laughs> Because as much as people wanted to convince themselves that for some reason Mitrovic wouldn't go into a tackle because he was one away from a, um, a suspension or he might not talk to referee in the same way, because I think that was rubbish. I don't see Mitrovic as the kind of player that tempers his behaviour in any way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you saw from the tackle he did, it was completely unnecessary. And I know some people argued it was soft, but from what I'd seen, he was kind of, you know mouthing off at the referee, making funny tackles. It was an accumulation of issues that got him that booking. It wasn't yeah, that man. one challenge. I think people kidded themselves on that one. So I, I was very, open, like, my eyes were very open to the fact that that was a risk. And then the second factor was Haaland's um, effect ownership. Like, we knew it would be 150 plus. So I just kind of reasoned those two things out, really, and came to the Mitrovic conclusion with hmm. two minutes to spare.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, it, definitely, your eyes are open to the fact that it was a risk. I mean, I, 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 I didn't really. I come, we'll come on to maybe discussing social media in general in a minute, just because it's just worth chatting about for this particular environment or this particular example. But I mean, I knew there'd be a fair tailwind behind Mitro, but it was incredible. Like you know, just ten, fifteen, twenty minutes before the deadline. To see how many smoke clouds went white for the Serbian, it was just amazing to scroll through and see what people were doing. Um, I think, uh, that, maybe that was the moment I texted you. Sorry. To yeah, say you did. I looking. I
0: kept myself off there. I was like, no, I'm not going to look. I'm just going to try and work it out myself. And then you were like, gosh, you could see, you should see Twitter. It's Mitrovic everywhere. And I was like, oh, <laughs>
1: sorry. Yeah, we were, uh, I mean, yeah, I I feel like yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? He may well. He may still beat Holland. You never know. But I, I know that everybody was there, and I know the algos were there too. Things like that. I did think about it, but you know, with five minutes to go, I just thought, you know what? I, I just I'm I, I'm kind of fairly set on Holland. I don't want to kind of just fear FOMO myself into going with Mitrovic. So I purposely made we got up, made a cup of tea, you know, went for a walk outside in the garden, and came back in. And the deadline had gone by that point, so it was fine. But it's it's definitely an emotive moment, isn't it? I don't mean like how people say, oh, well, I got emotional and I started Classic crying, woman, right? but like, it's it's always well, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no, yeah, uh, <laughs> gender roles, eh? Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I, I think it's definitely one of those moments where like, seeing everybody else do something has a tangible mental impact on how you are as a human, and boiling that sort of high theory down to the shabby world of FPL, it really proved this week. I felt for a lot of people because I'm sure there are those people who were weighing up Holland and Mitro. The points you made about Mitro being kind of really clear, sort of yeah, but what aboutery pull factors towards Holland? Um, but there's always a sort of push factors towards mitrovich as well, and I'm, I'm fairly sure that there's definitely going to be a tipping for Some people that they see, you know, their favorite content creator, or they see kind of, you know, loads of content creators all seemingly going on one person. I just kind of wonder whether we kind of think about this for a second, as I mentioned. Like, is social media to some extent to blame for this week, and also, you know, countless decisions in the past which have prioritized double game weeks over what perhaps could be sensible play? For example, last year, the mass captaincy of Emmanuel Dennis when Harry Kane scored 12 points the same game week in a single single game week just because he had a double that like we always say we're in control of our own decisions but are we like are we really i mean i think that it definitely has an impact i mean you're, you're you're fairly active on twitter i used to be incredibly active i'm now sort of more uh passive than anything i mean do you, do you feel like it has much of an impact on your decisions
0: i quite like to use it not necessarily to guide what i'll do but to kind of have an understanding of where other people's thinking's at i think it's very, very, very easy to get sucked into the idea that the Twitter bubble is indicative of how the general FPL populace plays. And I think what was interesting this week was that you talked about FOMO and around Mitrovic and all that kind of thing. For me, the FOMO was more about missing Harland. So, because I knew that m- the majority of casual players would captain Harland. And I, I kind of concluded in the end that that was more of a guiding factor for me than the Twitter bubble around Mitrovic because I, I think you and I both discussed it and decided that it was unlikely that Mitrovic would hit 100% in terms of effective ownership. It seemed likely it would be like 80-ish. I don't actually know how much it ended up with. it was about that, wasn't it? So I was actually more worried about Harland from an ownership perspective than Mitrovic from an ownership perspective because in a sense, I'm not really playing against the people on Twitter. I'm playing against everyone. So, in terms of what could damage my rank, I was more worried about Haaland than I was about Mitchvich. I think here it's like a little bit confusing because you've kind of got the effect of two herds, just the one you see and the one you don't. Um, So, a bit confusing. The, the, um, the, the
1: invisible herd. I like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, it is an invisible herd. Yeah, the invisible Haaland herd, which will be there every single week. If you want to gamble against captaincy, that's not going to go away. The majority of casual players will carry on captioning him until he gets injured. Um, So, That's a bit of a weird factor to fit in. Um, I think people commonly think that Twitter is indicative of what everyone else is going to do. They get obsessive about having a certain player on Twitter that everyone else seems to have. I don't think you need to do that. And I think people have been sucked into that millions of times before. I think you need to kind of take a step back and think how much are they likely to be owned by looking at the percentage that owned them last week, how much their overall ownership has increased this week, what that might have on EO? I think you need to be quite careful about that. But I think in this case, actually, Mitrovic wasn't necessarily the FOMO pick. That's the argument I'm making. Mm. I hope you like it.
1: Right. OK. No, I, I think, uh, yeah, maybe for you, definitely. But I, do, I can imagine having been in the situation myself in the past where I have been swayed by seeing lots and lots of people going for one individual that I, hadn't, that I wasn't going for as a default has had an impact and i'm sure it has an impact on loads of people who are as i said following loads of people who then go off and do things and you do you're like oh what do they know that i don't or you know what if they all have a great time and, and i'm stuck here in the muds like it's, it's quite it's quite a difficult and pernicious thing to deal with like the social media kind of voice and social media impact and I, i've just found that progressively over time maybe it's kind of my length of tenure uh, as an fpl person on there but i've just take i've just started to Really step back from it. Like, I've taken huge steps. I've tried
0: to. I just,
1: I I know, but this year, like, I've really taken huge steps to ignore the social media voice. Like, obviously, my team's pretty template, but that's not entirely because of Twitter. Like, some people may retort that. That, oh yeah you just follow the twitter thing but simply so put, you follow tem- me tem- yes. yeah exactly and a template is a template for a reason right we say that every year it's anyone with a passing interest in fpl should have an idea who the key assets are and then so that this year's pricing friendly environment it's just so easy to cover most of the bases bloody cane but i think the key realization for me lucy was this i decided to stop looking at fpl social media as an information source and start looking at it as entertainment i'm just not particularly interested in most things which are put on there now (laughs) but it 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 definitely feels like it's not even the bubble it's like a dyson sphere like it's made of that kind of next tech metallic plating and ideas to kind of bounce around and get their own sort of life but I, I just, I can't remember the last time I saw something FPL related on there, which isn't like, you know, team news, which I genuinely felt was new and fresh. I feel like, you know, it's just got to that point now where it's quite like a beige sort of environment space. And I don't know, it's it's, it's one of those things where you just, just use it as entertainment or, you know, a way to pass the time. But I've I've kind of just increasingly just kind of tried to keep my, my own thinking aside from it. It can be very involving, as you said. But often it kind of can be a bit more of a hindrance than a help, I find, as well. And that's why I kind of I've just tried to, to step back a little bit in terms of engaging um, as much of it, at least kind of acting on it, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you should be following what accounts are doing on Twitter without having a clear rationale in your own head as to why they're doing it and whether you agree with that. I think looking at people's screenshots of their teams and saying, oh, gosh, they've got that person, I don't have them, why do I not have them? I don't think that's going to be particularly productive for anyone involved. I think if you engage with people and discuss things with people and you're convinced by the points they make and you can come up with decent kind of responses to your own doubts, that's another thing. But I think, yeah, scrolling through and panicking is never going to get you anywhere. But as much as the Mitra Fishish thing went wrong, I don't think I have regrets about doing it. When when he scored that goal, I kind of thought to myself, oh yeah, this is this is why you've gone for it because... Hmm. If it all rolls out, it could be brilliant. Could get an, I don't know goal or assist in this game, could get a goal or assist in the next game, and you, you know, you're laughing. So as much as it backfired horribly, I think I would do it again in the same position. I hope this time it's kind of taught me a lesson that I wouldn't like, leave it to the last couple of minutes. Yeah. But I did learn last season where things really fizzled out and I got really stuck in a rut, that by being too conservative, I found it really difficult to move rank. So I'm trying to push myself a little bit more to be a little less conservative on in situations like this where you think Harlan's captaincy is going to be slightly dented and you think that there's a decent kind of momentum behind another option to try and take that, even if it does come with risk. And it probably came with a little bit too much risk, maybe because of the booking, but, you know, one of those things.
1: I think what's interesting, though, is to take your kind of invisible herd idea out of the equation and look at what we saw, which is that everybody was going Mitrovic and just kind of a, a cursory look from my mini leagues. I think I'm I'm going to guesstimate about 80% of people in Mitrovic this week. And I think that kind of is an impact of where well, we've spoken about it ad nauseam on the pod, that you do have this sort of discrete gap now between people who, oh, it's a goal. Oh, no. A, yeah going to be something there's and Grealish, of course yeah uh, anyway uh, let's move on <laughs> the difference between people who follow content creators and don't and whose teams begin to mirror those content creators it, it really just although you're trying to kind of push yourself out of being conservative you're doing the same move that all of the people who are also push themselves to not be conservative are doing if that makes sense so yeah. you, you kind of end up in mini leagues just kind of doing the same thing that everyone else is doing so in some ways you could you could have reframed the argument so people, so people said oh yeah we're going with Mitrovic I'm going to put myself in position to get lucky but maybe if you look at mini leagues and think well actually most people are probably going to go with Mitro here a position to get lucky may well have been also to avoid Mitrovic and kind of just insulate yourself from double game week that's just a, a way of reframing the, I guess it depends argument. if
0: you're interested in mini leagues I'm not really that bothered so I tend to look at like overall figures
1: yeah no fair play fair play.
0: I mean, do you think that
1: yeah. mini double game weeks going forward? Then, I mean, this is an interesting one because obviously you had the World Cup, Car- World Cup wildcards, um, and people, loads of people ended up with Fulham and Chelsea players because it was just easy to kind of work your mm. way in or work your way into ensuring you could get them in. Like I so said earlier on, with getting Mitravitj in three 4 free. I mean, what are you going to do going forward? Is it still going to be um, one of those things you take on case by case, or are you going to try to just be a bit more sceptical about these sorts of situations. You said earlier on that you were quite, um, you do, you'd do the same thing all over again. I'm sure there'll be a situation, you know, not very long. Maybe even next week where you've got a mini double game week.
0: I think it's slightly different because we're talking about mini double game weeks in terms of not having those fixtures clear, waiting on FA Cup results, all that kind of stuff. So you can't really prepare in the same way. I mean, the the great advantage was that although I didn't have Mitrovic, I could make a slot for him, and you kind of got a quite clear idea about how you're going to get there. For these kind of unknown mini double game weeks, you don't have the same kind of preparation opportunities. And I really would kind of urge people not to be too sucked into the FOMO bubble when you see these kind of mini double game week options open up. I really wouldn't be cutting your team to ribbons to try and fit them in because I think unless they've got kind of long-term prospects, they're probably going to scupper you more more than you'd like to admit. Um That said, I am quite interested in Harry Kane. But, you know, that's a different case, isn't it? That's a guy that you're not there just for the double game week. The double game week's a nice perk, but he's, you know, on track to equal one of his best ever scoring seasons. So... You know, he can't be too bad, can he?
1: That's an interesting point to move on to, actually, because, I mean, there were a few questions we got this week about Harry Kane having scored um, a fairly decent haul with the brace and the assist as well. Slightly questionable assist, I'd say, but an assist nonetheless. Points are points at the end of the day. Not that we're bitter. No, No, definitely not. (laughs) CNG asked if Kane should come in ahead of a potential double game week. Um, Arsenal Man City, if it does get... Uh, finalized a friend of the pod sam fpl pricey asks if you if you would bring in kane for a hit and um, he says most will need to to fill out funds and fpl kudos says question from captain hindsight <laughs> why are so many of us sleeping why were so many of us sleeping on kane during the world cup wild card so as you said yes kane's numbers are very good of Goal scored, his XG per 90 is now the highest it's been um, since the 2016, 17 and 2017, 18 seasons when he scored 29 and 30 goals respectively. His XGI is around the same level too and he's back to overshooting as well. So last year he undershot his XG by a significant amount. This year he's overshooting again. So all of those things sort of come in together potentially for him and I guess, Lucy, is going to be one that loads of people go to, despite the fact that he, again, is on four yellow cards and is playing a you know, what could be a testy North London derby. Admittedly, I did look earlier on, just for fun, um, the percentage of their Premier League career that Kane and Mitrovic have got yellow card in games. I think Kane's was like kind of thirteen percent, and Mitrovic's was seventeen percent. So, i.e., absolutely useless to look at. If anyone cites that, just ignore it. And um, but it, it definitely feels like kind of last week all over again. Except there's even more, as you said, of cutting teams to ribbons to get him. That's a the guy simply poos points despite Spurs looking a bit rubbish. And I think that he's definitely one that I'll be looking at eventually in the future. Um, you know, For example, removing, I've got Darwin, Bloody Nunez, who we're going to have to mention in a second, and uh, Mr. Mitrovic at the moment. I can move them both out uh, for Kane and Ferguson quite easily. Um, and I think that maybe that'll be something I do um, in the next few weeks. I need to sell a defender first, but all doable. I mean, you said you're interested in Kane. You've got a way to get there, haven't you? Very, very quickly.
0: Yes, so... I don't have points at the moment, but what I do have is cash. So actually, as prices stand at the time of recording, I have 0.1 slack for Darwin to Kane, uh, which I want to do, but I also need to wait on these FA Cup fixtures. It's a a bit annoying because I think the prices will push me into making a decision one way or another. I think in terms of asking if you take a hit, I think that's much more complex because if Kane has a double, Harland will have a double. Is that how it works? Yes. So you probably won't be captaining Kane. So you're not going to see the immediate payback on your minus four in a way that you would have improved double game, which way you bought Kane of a double and captained him. And it also probably negates his threat to your rank. Like he's not going to explode. Like he could have easily gone way above 100% in a similar situation without a Harland in this world. So I don't know if it's as clear cut as I would normally say on Kane on a double game week. That said, if I had a neat way of getting rid of two people I didn't like, mm. I probably would look at it quite closely. I, I'm just conscious at the moment people have got a lot of good midfielders that are returning points. You could end up sacrificing one of those unnecessarily to pay for him. And that might not be such a wise idea. Don't know what you think on that one, Tom.
1: Yes, uh, I think you've got, got to do something quite care You've got to be quite careful. The thing is, as I said, right at the start, it's such a friendly pricing environment this year that you don't mm. really need to worry about it that much. You can find a way to turn your yeah, Darwin bloody Nunez. into a Harry F. in Kane. Fairly pain-free. I, I think that you know normally we'd, we'd be... They're looking at Onium, uh, we'll talk about defenders in a minute, but the likes of Cancelo, the likes of Robertson or Trent or something like that, and be kind of, you know, a minor say in a bit of a surgery, team surgery away from bringing in a player like Kane. This year, it feels like everyone's kind of a trans, uh, a two, two FTs or maybe a hit away from getting it done. It doesn't feel mm. as, like, as hard that the barriers aren't quite in place to swap around and bring in players like that and as you said earlier on in terms of the players you're going to bring in if you're buying Kane you're not really going to be doing too badly in terms of just general hold like he's not going to be a player that you're going to be moving on anytime soon I suspect unless he gets crocked because I mean after a fairly tricky period admittedly and uh, he does have Fulham in 21 Man City in 22 Spurs actually do fair fairly well against uh, Man City, actually. His favourite team then, Leicester in 23, leading into a fairly decent run, all the way until game week 31, which only comprises a game against Chelsea um, of the top six last year. So he could be a player that if you do get him in early, he could do you a job over the next 10, 11 game weeks easily. Um, yeah. And that's not bad at all, really. Um, and then he'd,
0: be- he'd probably be into your next World Cup phase soon after that anyway. Um, I think also what you're saying in terms of being able to find value quite easily. I'm just thinking if I was in a different situation where I didn't have this money in the bank right now, I'd be looking at Cancelo who's been subbed to half time, who's now played a half out of three games. Do I really need him? No, I don't. He's probably just going to tank in value as well because people will be selling him on mass. Probably the similar for, I mean, we'll probably get onto it, but Liverpool defenders, Trent looks all right-ish, but Robertson, not so much. And, I don't know they just don't keep enough clean sheets so they'd be fine as cash cows as well I just think I'd be more tempted to pull money out of that area of the pitch to buy Kane than a lot of these midfield players that are doing very well for relatively small value I mean I think it's someone like Saka is probably the most expensive in terms of strongly returning players at the moment especially given that Salah and KDB aren't really doing it either
1: Yeah, no. I think most people, as you said, that Cancelo's ownership was still pretty frighteningly high. So I think there's definitely one of those things where people are going to suddenly find loads of money. I'm sure Kane's EO is going to rise pretty quickly. So uh, if you are looking to take a hit like Sam was or... Uh, like CNG just assessing whether he was worth buying in. I feel like he's going to increasingly be kind of a necessary shield. Maybe one I have to look at next week. I mean, I need, a, I need to, I take like a minus eight to bring him in, but I need to, to think about it potentially as long-term investment. But, but I'm not sure at this moment. And plus, you know, they're playing the two strongest defenses in the league thus far oh. in Arsenal, Man City, and Kane is on the on, on four yellow cards, so um, you've got to bear that in mind. So I may just watch and wait on that one. In terms of what FPL Kudos said about why there were so many of us sleeping on Kane during the wildcard period, I I just think it's one of those where, one, you were trying to fit in Holland, KDB slash Salah and all of these different sorts of players, and maybe there wasn't quite room at the inn for Kane alongside Darwin, who was we've in just a sec. And also, I'm sure there are those people who kind of thought there'd be a bit of, bit of a hangover and the person disappointment in missing the, sec- and the second penalty against France. I think that that was in t- that probably was in a lot of people's minds um, in terms of whether Kane would be as effective as he has been.
0: And I think there's probably also a structure and flexibility point. You know, every time I looked at one of those drafts, you just feel like because Haaland is such a kind of fixture and you can't do anything with it, it means you were pulling so much money up front, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it probably means if Kane had had that hangover it was going to be a bit more awkward to shuffle funds around. So I guess that's also another factor in it. Um, I don't know if people necessarily kind of ignored him. It was more that, as you said, there were other priorities, really, uh, because we knew that he was kind of trickling in points fairly consistently.
1: Yeah, it adds that kind of higher floor to your game week, basically. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, you would caption him in some circumstances, but mostly it's a permanent captioning Haaland season at the moment hasn't scored yet by the way <laughs> it's a perma-caps in the Haaland season and with Kane it's just a, a way of kind of almost having like a defender who gets clean sheet every week you know like a Man City of old or a Liverpool of old if you've got the central centre-back something like that and um, you just have that Absolutely. sort of thing, six seven points you can count on week in week out which is bringing your score up ever so slightly and a player like that is definitely worth the money um, even if you're not captioning him, um, I see those people who always say that. Why are you spending X million on a player if you're not going to caption him? Well, in a season like this, that's irrelevant. That's not obsolete kind of point. The getting to Kane does tend to mean Darwin Bloody Nunez um, is the one who's sold. I mean, I, I, me and Adam were speaking about him last week, and kind of uh, uh, which is now two game weeks ago. And um, we've experienced the uh, <laughs> FPL assist and also the performance last game uh, versus Brentford. And it's fair to say that obviously the best way to watch him is via a spreadsheet rather than in person.
0: <laughs> Definitely for the stats, not the grass lot, isn't it, really?
1: Exactly. How are you dealing with the Eeyore vibes? Uh, is he staying for you for long?
0: If I didn't have this nice and easy cam- um, cane route, he probably would be staying. He's much more at threat now. Um, I don't think people should despair on him because he is getting opportunities and I know he's making a hash of them, but I'm getting very strong ketchup bottle vibes off him. I think that, you know, they start to go in, and I think they, they'll they keep going in. Mm. The question is when that happens, and if it ever happens, um, <laughs> because he is really, really awful to watch if you are an FPL player. Oh, so bad. So bad. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, everything he's doing until he kicks the ball towards the net is great. It's just that last bit. Um, And so I can see why he's infuriating people. I think he's in a very fortunate position at the moment where he doesn't have a huge amount of threat to his position just because of the injuries they've had. And I think even when Gakpo comes into the team, he's probably not going to play that kind of role anyway. Um, So he's got a bit of luxury at the moment in terms of people not being an immediate threat and he can probably get away with a dodgy performance or two or kind of squander chances. I think as players start to return, it will become a lot more uncomfortable and that is when people are probably going to get forced into positions if he hasn't started scoring points. At the moment, I probably wouldn't panic on him, but it takes a certain amount of willpower and you probably will lose a bit of value on it as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it really, I mean, he's already dropped 0.1. Luckily, we both got him in uh, pre-World Cup card, so we had that 0.1 buffer, but I suspect his, he is going to start dropping as people start to sacrifice. Yeah, I do his. wonder
0: if that brace before the break is making you and I less worried about it. <laughs> If maybe. I bought him in and I maybe. hadn't got that return, maybe I wouldn't be feeling quite so kind of um, philosophical about the situation.
1: Yeah, old cash in the back bank, isn't it? I, I suspect that you know, next week, unless I do get feared into Kane, I'll probably give him one more week and hope that that Brighton game becomes a bit of a goal fest. But other than that, you know, he, he is not long for my team, that's for sure. And just maybe worth a side point, actually, on Liverpool in general. So they're very interesting, just... A bit of a BM off of fancy football at the moment, where you can feasibly go without them and live quite happily. Thank you very much. And we had mm. a few questions on on them. So, Dane Bramage, which I quite like, um, asked if any Liverpool assets are viable, and Andy Martin asked if any Liverpool assets become will Liverpool assets become differentials in time, because it certainly seems that way. Uh, Pete MF Doom, on the other hand, was wondering if we can chase the Dragon to be early investors on Trent, who you mentioned a second ago. Tempted by Trent, he says. Liverpool defence looks shaky. No Van Dyke, but is that a bad thing? Uh, be out yeah, Trent with two assists and four bonus in the post-World Cup games. I'm tempted to get going early, he says. Uh, are you guys? So, I mean, it's, it's one of those where it seems that people aren't sure whether they're coming or going with Liverpool at the moment. For me, it definitely feels like a case of going in the last mm. chance saloon like Robertson that I own at the moment. Live if City got double game we next week, he's definitely going probably for, for stones um or something like that, just to make sure that I've got that kind of city defence covered and you know well, how many games we've got left? About 17, 18? Half of them will be clean sheets given how City tends to roll. So I think that'll probably be fine. Um it should give me good value over the course of the season looks like the 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 the, the kind of a nailed man. And it really does look like, you know, elsewhere of Liverpool. I'm just, I want them to get out of their funk, really, before I'm interested. And I'm mm. sure the double game weeks when they do come to Liverpool will be when everyone kind of streams back onto a sala or streams back into Darwin, who may have catch up, bottled himself all over the Anfield turf by that point. We don't know. Um, are you the same on Liverpool?
0: Uh, yes, pretty much. I mean, we talk about getting in early on them. I mean, are we expecting that they'll in? Imp- improve significantly before the end of the season I don't see it personally I know Van Dijk had a bit of a horror show against Brentford but I don't think his absence makes them better defensively and as much as I think Trent has improved since the World Cup I think a break has done him a lot of good actually and he does look better I don't think his performances on their own even if he does get start getting assists are enough to make me interested I think when Liverpool were worth owning, it wasn't just that their fullbacks were phenomenal attackers, it was that they also had clean sheets. And at the moment, they just don't look like giving them. So I find it really hard to kind of make myself look that way, particularly if we're talking about how you're paying for someone like Kane or moving money up the pitch. I just, I'm not interested really. Um, Obviously, we're both on KDB, so I haven't really looked at Salah recently. I expect that when fixtures shift, I'll look at him again. But he, even he doesn't look great. And I don't know how their returning players will improve that. I think they there's more scope for them to improve from an attacking perspective than there is from a defensive perspective because of those injuries. Um, but yeah, I, do, I just think it's one of those things where you just shouldn't overthink it. Like You shouldn't go looking for points that aren't there at the moment let them come to you to a certain extent obviously you don't want to be stuck behind the template when they become popular but we're a long way from that I think and I think you're better looking at you know Arsenal for example full of value just concentrate on those players and if you don't spend all your budget you don't spend all of your budget Like, I think for what they are a lot of Liverpool players are very expensive.
1: Absolutely I mean I've in terms, of, if you want to widen that out just look at the defence in general as well um, having spoken about Darwin and obviously the point about Salah probably falls in with Darwin that he's underperformed where he should be but the defence to answer Pete's question a little bit more like you know I sat with Robertson and Cancelo and um, so the, those sort of big defenders like Trent I've already exited on one and I'll probably be exiting on the other as well and now as Lucy said a lot of it isn't, a, it's, it's about not overcomplicating it and just looking at the Data and kind of well, in terms of what we've got since the World Cup in in the cold light of day. I'm um, sure, obviously, the big hero this week got double double game week coming. A couple of kind of potentially tricky fixtures off that. United's runs great. Five point one, I think he is now. I got him at four point nine. Like that, that is a really cheap player who could potentially, throughout the course of you know the, the the last the back end of the season, be well worth the value. But his value could exceed his price. Trippier,
0: I mean, yeah, at the moment. That. No. If you if Shaw and Robertson were the same price, I'd want Shaw. Ditto Trippier. But like, mm. at the moment, they don't. It, even if it was that they were the same price, I still don't think I'd be interested. And that in itself tells you all you need to know about investing the extra funds in Liverpool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Trippier this year, if 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 they repriced it. Like Mark, F. O. general mentioned kind of the first part. would back. have
0: been cool, wouldn't it? It would have been good.
1: But he would have been six, 6.5, wouldn't he? Yeah, easily. easily. So, you know, ridiculous. So, um, and then you go, you, know, you look at Newcastle in general, the second best defense um, at the moment. And uh, the, the, have conceded the fewest goals in the Premier League, second to, uh, Arsenal second with two, uh, 13, Newcastle only conceded 11. Um, and, feasibly, you have a defense of Shaw, Botman, and trippier, but like mm. two, two starters at 5.0, one at 4.5, and that could do you for the foreseeable future. Like, shove Ramsdale in goal, like I have, and you've got those defenses covered. <laughs> That's the way we are, where we are at the moment. And you see a real defender sort of cash drain, really. Yeah. And that enables things like the freemium, where you could have a KDB slash Salah plus Kane plus Holland fairly, mm-hmm. fairly easily, no matter what your team value. Like The team value sort of mining that happens at the start of the season does some years have a real impact, but this year, I don't think it does.
0: Yeah, and also, we thought when we restarted that someone like Cancelo was worth paying for because you were getting the nail it's in the City team. Well, you're not getting that anymore, and as you've said, Stones looks like the more nailed-on prospect, and again, that saves money. So it's very difficult to make a case for spending a match on your defence at the moment, which is basically inverted pretty much... Everything we start with every single season, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, yes. Um, so I feel like we've kind of gone back to the old days having a cheap ass defense. Yeah. And maybe shove the big boys up front. I think the think the only real thing probably is structure that may be a little bit different this year and may kind of mirror how we tend to end most seasons in that lovely 3 5 2.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: So last week with Adam, I basically made. A bit of a case for three-five-two. I know that obviously people were busy, so it didn't really come uh, across to loads of people. I'm sure, but to reiterate what I said, the amount of viable midfielders this year makes the three-five-two really hard to overlook for me in the, the back end of the season. So you know, magically, the emergence of Evan Ferguson made some visionaries in the community uh, comes to the same conclusion two or three weeks after I did but you know with with Salah KDB uh, in the one premium then you've got Saka Marcelli and Odegaard, probably two slots for those guys Rashford Almiron emerging forces like Rodrigo viable uh, things like Matuma. Um, and Son as well, potentially uh, bursting back on the scene. For sense- Some
0: of the Son rhetoric is is No,
1: installed. no, no, no that, that's just wannabe, <laughs> isn't it? But, I mean, surely there's got to be scope for a rethink on the 3-4-3 eventually. Like earlier, you said you set up in the 3-4-3 to make sure you could fit in Mitro, et cetera, et cetera. But given the wealth of options in midfield, and as we see most years, midfield does tend to be this, this, the source of both and um, you know, explosivity and also just kind of generally the most points in FPL, it's it's got to be the case that we should look at that midfield really in terms of viable FPL options given where we are now. Obviously things can change.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I was kind of always getting to this point to reassess to a certain extent. Um, I certainly hadn't ruled out 3-5-2. In fact, I'd looked at it quite closely. I had a draft that had Saka and I had a draft that had Martial and that didn't go very well. Um but yeah, I think you're right in terms of three five two probably being the optimal play from a value perspective. And I think it's probably something I'll look at as soon as I'm able to roll the transfer because I don't really like taking the hit for the restructure. So it's mm. really just when I find the opportunity to kind of flex it because especially if Tony is in a position where he's going to get suspended, which seems likely, and he is currently injured. I can't see that third striker spot being that viable going forward. That's my theory. So I think it will have to end up with the three-five-two. But you know, you don't know what doubles will present. It maybe that I get enticed into some other random forward.
1: Yeah, that was why I end up Mitrovic, who's now my first sub, basically. So that's kind of you know the situation you find yourselves in at times. But I, I really think it's going to be one of those where if we end up with Kane being quote-unquote needed. Holland being needed whichever one of KDB and Salah emerges as being kind of worthwhile as well and the fact we don't really need those premium defenders at the moment that kind of lends itself very nicely to that premium. and it reminds me of that kind of couple of years ago where if you had Kane, Son, Bruno and Salah you could all, you could fit them all in your team that year if you had them all you'd be absolutely fine so maybe it's a case of being able to fit those players in pretty quickly even if it is Kane for the floor and Holland for the ceiling and um, having those players in as early as possible and just having that template from here on out. If you are if it does end up that in that sort of idea, then that might be something that's worth thinking about or at least kind of getting ahead of the game on before other people can kind of maneuver that way. And um, yeah, uh, it's just something that I thought was sort of interesting. Right. Um it's okay to double game week. I, I guess we need to see the fuller picture. Um, we are just in the last throws of the Hauling caps in blank, uh, which is always lovely. Um but anyway, um is it, I'm sure I'm going to caption him again, but are you going to triple caption him, Lucy, if it comes to pass? I mean, it does look like it's very likely uh, that they will get the, dub, the double game week. I'm not I'm not going to bother with the calendar stuff. That's not really for me. I mean, I don't know if you've looked into it really, but I do think that this is the week everyone does go for the triple um, because it's quite early in the season. Despite the games not being the best in the world, I think we'll see 200% EO being overtime spent B.O., eo uh, being a possibility a probability uh, for more this
0: year this week interesting i mean it's quite difficult because as you said the fixtures aren't great but the problem with the triple captain's is when you start doing wild cards and double game weeks and bench boosts etc it becomes a bit of a headache to work out when you're going to get it out on top of that obviously we haven't got the champions league restart so there's probably a little bit less pressure on Haaland in terms of worrying about starts and all that kind of stuff for minutes, etc. So I get it from that point of view. But I think there's something in the back of my head that says I want to wait for a really good one. And from what I'd read of Ben Crennan's tweets is that it's likely that City will get a couple of really good ones that far you know, outweigh the ones we're seeing now. So I, I think it's unlikely that I'll commit that early. I always have this thing with chips where I probably put too much pressure on the end of my season because I keep them believing that a better opportunity is around the corner and I think it's probably the case that I'll do that again whether that's right or wrong I don't know the only thing I was thinking in terms of Harlan's EO and in terms of what you were saying about it being potentially about 200% I do wonder if we may be slightly underestimating the temptation of Kane and whether some people not in the Twitter community Mm. but Casually speaking, look at Kane's the fact Kane scored this week, and the fact that Harland may blank. Although we've got a couple of minutes left, um, I wonder if that might twist things slightly. Yeah, but I don't maybe. know. Maybe don't...
1: maybe people will be like, he's done a the goal, therefore yeah, I exactly
0: will... <laughs> form, isn't it? It's Form.
1: Yeah, hashtag form. I mean, yeah, certainly, certainly, I think it's certainly interesting. Um, I just wonder whether people think, "Oh, Holland's the highest goal scorer." Yeah, he didn't score against Chelsea, but Chelsea yeah, were a hard I don't
0: game, really therefore. know how the psychology of the masses works. I
1: know, way. I know. This is why we're not we're not politicians. Um, but yes, it's it's definitely. <laughs> so certainly one of those I think will come in and then uh, in terms of uh, buying for double game week I mean I'll be and this kind of links and transfers and captions a little bit I'll certainly be looking to as I said I have saw Robertson hanging around I'll probably be swapping him out for a city player so mostly free of funds because I've got 0.0 at the moment um, but I probably won't be going to hell for leather on this double game week it doesn't, again doesn't look great no matter how it all kind of spins out I think there's a couple of teams you know Leeds and Crystal Palace could have a double game week and you know, I'm I'm as much as I like, you know, players like Rodrigo, who does look a fairly decent sort he of, of prospect. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when people start spinning out why they should own Zaha or, you know, people start captioning those sorts of players or buying in lights of Mark Gahey or something like that, but that, that's when it starts to get a bit face palmy. Um, so it's it's one of those where again it's not the best double game week in the world on paper for the bigger team. So it's not really something that I'll be really going mad for. And plus, you know, I've some fortunate to have KDB, will have done enough for me to, this evening. um, Shaw and Rashford, um, and hopefully the Manchester clubs, if they get double, I think I'm probably okay with how I've kind of set it up. Are you the same?
0: Yes, I think I am likely to buy Kane, but I don't know. Um, Cancelo's presented me with a bit of a headache because if he doesn't start the next game, which seems very possible if he subbed at half-time, he isn't the nice safe bet on a double game that I thought he was going to be. Um, so that's possibly one to look at. So maybe I'd rather just strip back there and free up some more funds. But it is getting a little bit silly because I do already have 2.8 million in the bank. Um, so I don't entirely know what I'm doing. What I would say is exactly what you've sort of said there was I wouldn't get hooked into buying players on a double game week if you have no intention of keeping them beyond that double game week. I think particularly if we're looking at going quite a long time before we wildcard again, you don't want to be lumbered with a load of players that are just one-week punts that you'll grow to resent and wonder why you spent all the money on it. So I would just be careful there. I think someone like Kane is great because, as we've covered, you can keep him long-term. I think a City defender makes plenty of sense because... Someone like Stones, you should be able to keep long term, and if you don't, he's not a disaster. If you have to bench him, so I think just be careful and mindful about the transfers you make and whether they benefit you long term and not just for a one week mad punt that you oh, come to regret.
1: Classic net classic Hynan, classic Hynan response. I like that. Is it's just like a yeah. If I if I could do your voice without being demeaning, I, I'd I'd be able to rule that whole thing off absolutely fine so it's, it's like it's like if it's like if i could, if, if i stood in for nick next week and just pretended i was nick i'm sure i could do it and um, i think that's really interesting just for the final question this week which was charlie charlie messenger who asked to what extent does your rank influence your risk level when making decisions in the second half of the season i think you kind of spoke really to how um if you're doing all right blank that's the full time and um, if if you're doing all right then you're not going to be making loads of kind of you know, big high-profile sort of punts, but if a double game week does turn out to be something which is quite kind of um, off the wall, you know, you get the likes of Zaha comes into play or Rodrigo comes into play. I mean, I guess if you're not doing as well, those sorts of players do come on the radar, don't they?
0: Yes, they do. I think you have to make kind of calculated reasonable risks and not kind of get carried away. So, for example, I do think, and I alluded to it earlier, there were really good... Reasons to try and maybe take a punt on Mitrovic. And it looked like until right now that had backfired, but apparently, maybe not. um I think those kinds of punts where you can see that the leading captaincy is likely to take a dent, there's a bit of momentum behind the player, that kind of thing, there are opportunities. What I wouldn't do is A, avoid really popular players that are doing well because you think that some other player is going to do really well based on not a lot. I think people get sucked into that all the time. They look for a differential for the sake of looking for a differential in the end that costs them points. So I wouldn't do that. And I think you also need to be careful about making sure that you have flexibility and a decent structure. So you don't just throw a load of punts that lead you to a dead <laughs> end. So yeah, that's yeah. where well, I'd go on that too. This could, this could be a wild card I think. That's another thing. Don't use your wild card as some kind of weird backstop. So, oh, I can just do this, and if it goes wrong, I can use my wild card because you've then wasted your wild card at a time you don't need it. So carry on.
1: I was only going to say, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like, as I as I told you many times, I never get nice things, and especially seems to be that case this week again. Um, which is, uh, yeah, ah, well, how annoying. But well, anyway. you can
0: get back to uh, wishing for that Pereira red card now, couldn't
1: you? Yeah, exactly. And uh, Kepa to has uh, swapped with Mendy for, yeah, God knows.
0: Isn't
1: well, he injured? No, no. I, I, don't <laughs> know what's going on. I don't know what's going on there. But yeah. Um, I'm, glad I'm glad there's a bit of a break now. I'm glad that I'm having a break too, um, because I'll be in Hong Kong uh, from next Monday. Um, so I'm going to give the next pod a miss, due uh, to the time difference. Uh, Nick will be stepping in uh, for what he promises will be a Darwin Nunez-type Chaos at performance alongside uh, Lucy here. Um, so I imagine that's going to be an editing nightmare. Um, <laughs> I think it will be another interim type pod given the double on the slate. Again, we're not really sure how that's going to look, um, but we'll kind of figure something out around it. And we will, I promise, uh, re- resume normal service in terms of more single issue analyses once we hit game week 21 in late January.
0: I look forward to the chaos next week, perhaps more than you do. And um, good luck with editing it. I will try to make it a cohesive pod, despite Nick's best attempts. Um, If you do have any ideas on what you'd like us to talk about, please do let me know. But I will put a tweet out for people to respond on. Um, Thanks for listening. We were Who Got The Assist. You can find Tom on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can find me at Lucy Hynett with two Ts. If you enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe to the podcast. For new listeners out there, if you think you'll be coming back, please hit that five-star rating across platforms like iTunes and Spotify so more people can enjoy the pod.
1: Cool. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, I'll, I will speak to you in a few weeks. We'll be back next week-ish. Ish, yeah. Two weeks. Whenever two, Nick and
0: I two, weeks, two, fancy it, you know. Two.
1: I think it's two weeks technically, isn't it? Yeah, because i yes. epic up for around this week. Yeah. In the meantime, thanks for listening. I hope we assisted you. Farewell, and have a good FA Cup third round weekend. Off. See you soon. Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist? Who got the
0: assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.